Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, June the 10th of 2020. We are, as always, um, delighted to come to you with the Word of God, and we're so glad uh, that you are joining us today at uh, whatever time or wherever you find yourself. It's a blessing uh, to have you uh, join us in fellowship in this in the Word of God, in the study of the Word of God. So um, as we go forward, you know, this Monday we began our Bible study, our series on the days of Noah. And we've been going through uh, uh, the scriptures and studying uh, about the days of Noah and Noah himself. And so today I'm excited about the word of God. I pray that your heart's ready. I pray that you have your word, the Bible with you today as we come together and see more into in a deeper manner of what went on the days of Noah. It's always a pleasure to be here with the panel, with Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, as always, to be able to study the Word of God together. Without further ado, let's get into the Word of God today, and I'll leave it with you, Brother Marty, uh, to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word together. Amen. We're looking forward to today's Bible study. As we begin part three of the days of Noah, we're going to be coming to you from Genesis chapter 6. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, those of you that are listening, uh, please uh, open to Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading there, read a few verses, and then we'll get into it. Uh, I'll begin reading in verse uh, uh, 1, and it, uh, Genesis 6, 1. And it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for he is also flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. And when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bore children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from off the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. And then verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Can we say amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. So we've been looking at, at the days of Noah. We spent two days discussing how the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 17, I believe it's verse 26, 25, 26 in there. Uh, he told the disciples that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And so he gave us a banner, a signpost, if you will, uh, that would that would illuminate the end time generation as to what would alert 
them or us, which I believe, and I know you all believe we are that generation, that would begin to see these similar types of days, these similar types of <laughs> of events that were transpiring in Noah's day um, uh, that would be markers to us that we have entered those days as well. And, you know, in the account of the days of Noah that we just read from Genesis 6, uh, 1 through 7, the Lord reveals, because Moses is writing, the case of the destruction. What we're about to see is the destruction of the ancient world, of the first time, if you will, the history uh, of, of humanity before the flood. And, and Genesis 6 begins to open up um, that account. And uh, so from Genesis 6, 1 to 6, 7, like we just read, much is revealed. And as we come to, uh, you know, in this revelation that God gives in, at the beginning of the sixth chapter, we're really coming to the close of about a thousand years of human history. And it concludes with, with the judgment that's, that's being decreed. And then in verse 8, like we just read, it gives way to the great insight, if you can see, into the heart of God. Because verse 8, can you read verse 8, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So from, from chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, God is laying out the case as to the conditions that were existing um, just about 100 years before the flood, 120 years or so before the flood actually came. So at, in regards to human history, we're, we're really looking at, at about... <laughs> Uh, about 700 years at this point, 720 years, 780 years, somewhere in there of, of transpired human history. And so when we when we come to the beginning of Genesis chapter 6, what's really happening is is God has basically drawn our attention uh, to, to the last 120 years before the flood begins. Read verse 2, Brother Jeremy, would you, so we can clarify that. Actually, two, uh, excuse me, verse 3. Can you read verse 3 verse to three. us? Yes. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So here we have in, in the account uh, of, of the flood account, you know, the judgment that would come upon that time, we see the Lord declaring that he is only going to allow 120 more years of human history uh, of that ancient past time that we're talking about. And he says that his spirit, what he means by my spirit shall not always strive with man is that, is that he will no longer attempt to reach the heart uh, that, that he will only allow 120 years of his spirit pleading with men. And, and so he we know from the account that Noah would be the one, like we read in verse 8, that Noah would find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so he would be the one by which the Lord would plead with, with humanity. But at the end or the conclusion of that 120 years, the flood was going to come. And what we read there uh, is very interesting because when it gets to verse 8, it really gives us the heart of the Father. Because verse 1 through verse 7, again, is the case that's being made why it is legitimate and just that the creator uh, put an end to the creation that then was. And then when he comes yeah. to verse 8, it's the first time that he draws our attention 
to a particular person. Is but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So as we begin to to enter into the discussion of Noah, oh, and I want you guys to jump in when you can and want to, um, so that we have a full discussion here. We're going to look at some very interesting things. First, let us consider in verse eight that the wording of Noah finding grace. That implies to us that even though God's been laying out this intense case and describing why uh, that he's about to bring a judgment within 120 years upon the planet, upon the human race, upon all creation, really, everything that creeps upon the face of the earth, um, it also right. gives us an insight into his heart because it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So it means that the Lord, in essence, was searching looking, seeking out uh, grace. In other words, a way to, to preserve something. But there's something very profound in, in the wording here. And as I was doing my studies and reading some commentaries by the rabbis, I, I came across some things that were really, really interesting and, and really um, uh, incredibly insightful, yet because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, their their insights are limited to this point. But before we get into that, I want to look at some of the things. One of the things that got talked about here uh, in verse 5, and one of the reasons we want to look at this list, is because remember what Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. And rather than, you know, getting into the sons of God, daughters and giants and all that kind of stuff, because many people have discussed that, and we might do that tomorrow or sometime or maybe a little bit today, but... But I want to focus on something that was very much like it is today. When you get into uh, what God said in verse 5, uh, it really, really sounds similar to our time period. And that's why we're looking at this historical account. One, because Jesus told us it would be like that. And two, as we dig into it, we can even more uh, identify with, with, yes, this sounds very similar to today. And, and that's found in verse 5. Can you read verse 5, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only to do evil continually. So let's look at those words, because it's interesting how God describes it there. He says um, that the imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. And so when we begin to break down those words, for instance, the imagination, every imagination, that comes from the Hebrew word yatser, yatser, which is Y-A-Y-T-S-E-R, yatser. And so the imagination, what he's talking about there, and it gives the idea of a form or the purpose of what is conceived in, in the thought, the framework or the devices, which is really interesting. So he says, when men begin to conceive within their heart and the framework of it or the thoughts of it, um, it's only on evil. And as you get into what he says here, that the framework or the thoughts or the conception of the thoughts. Now, this is why it's important to get yourself a strongest concordance, which is a really solid way to research these words. But the word thoughts, it comes from the Hebrew makashabah. That's how you say it, makashabah. 
And and it's really interesting because it means that the conception, the purpose, the framework, the devices, or the form of the thoughts. Now, the thoughts are more than just ideas and concepts that you can imagine in your head because the actual Hebrew word is very interesting there because what it implies is this, texture. Thought, literally in the Hebrew word that he's using there is the word texture, machine, cunning work, curious work or devices that are invented. So, so, so what he's literally saying is that they had reached the point nearing the end of the first thousand years of human history where what they began to make and construct, not only in what they thought about, but what they actually made. He's literally yes, revealing right. here that the 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 conception, the ideas the uh, the patent pending, if you will, of the ideas of their thoughts or their cunning work, their technology, their devices that they invented were for the purposes of evil continually. Uh, well, <laughs> right? Yeah, if yeah. you look at, right, isn't that what you're seeing when you look it up? Yeah, yeah and it also says a plot. Right, you said that, right, Brother Marty? Yes. What was it? A plot. A plot. Yeah. So in other words, every, right? Yeah, P L O T. Everything there was a plot. There was a meaning. There was a something. Everything they did came from that right point. Yeah. From every evil imagination. I just thought that, so that was that was in there too. And that word that you're talking about, thoughts, it's a plot. Yeah, because it's interesting in verse, that's right, it, 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 or what they plot to do, right? And that's kind of what it means. Yes. It is that, and notice what he says, that the wickedness of man is great in the earth. So it's, it's, it's the entirety of the globe. Mm. One of the things that, that I think when we read these ancient scriptures that we forget to understand is, as we'll get into this in a second, if the Lord allows us to, that the generations of mankind from Adam till Noah span 10 generations and that 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 the lifespan of humanity was centuries that men lived hundreds and hundreds of years according to the account of the scripture mm-hmm. and that if you can imagine that imagine that we were able to live 930 years like an atom you know, or, 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 or hundreds of years like most of humanity at the time, because that is what the scripture is putting forth here. It's talking about longevity, and then it talks about the, the ability to invent technology or cunning works, but that the conception of the scientific advancements by the time God limits it to 120 years before the flood comes, it's limitless, really. If you think about it, because right, right. right? <laughs> no, they so say that he, they say that the 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 smartest of us human beings, uh, you know, uses maybe ten percent, uh, or yeah. we have the capability to use ten percent of our brain, right? Um, yeah. And and so you think about the longevity given to mankind and the intelligence it's able to uh, come up with. Uh, as it was in the days of Noah, to really manifest the very thought 
of of finding ways to sin in the I don't know what's the word in, in a more uh, darkly uh, creative way. Yeah, sophisticated. yeah, you know, very occultic, <laughs> sophisticated, but satanic in nature, right? And and that's what was happening. That's what we we're talking about. So even at 120 years, they were able to uh, formulate you know such evil devices to please their own flesh and lust, right? Right. No, absolutely, and. and... And as we think about that and, and we discuss that a little bit, see, because again, let us let us refocus on what uh what 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 our series is about. It's the days of Noah. And and Jesus said that. He said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man is getting ready to return. And so when we focus in on verse five here, what God is revealing here is that is that technology at at this point, which is about 780, give or take a few years after Adam was was created, so we're looking at seven, almost eight centuries of men who have not died; <laughs> they're still alive, you know, wow. and 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 they're they're at this point where they are now, they've accumulated knowledge. Now, it is connected in chapter six, verse one. It appears. Uh, to uh, to the sons of God in verse one and two, because we know from this account and and from other extra biblical sources uh, like Josephus or even the writings of the Book of Enoch, where you can get into those and and, and study them and get a get a a sense of an understanding of of what else happened. Because we know that when the angels came into the earth, according to extra biblical sources, that they taught men. Uh, how to how to make uh, things? They taught them how to uh, you know create technology, basically uh, how to do yeah. medicines, how to create instruments, how, so forth and so on. Right. So um, we have a, a, a what's the word uh, you know an infiltration into the human culture of extra supernal beings or, or supernatural beings. That's what the Bible's implying here. So the two come hand in hand. Paul hints at that, like we talked about many, many weeks ago, where he talks about the unseen world. Uh, and, 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 in, and in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he talks about the very prince of the power of the air, which is the spirit that works through the children of disobedience. So we see both spirit and, and uh, material humanity working in conjunction with each other and that is the will of the spirit of the enemy being played out in the material world through the children of disobedience the 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 contrast is is very striking because when we get to the end of time you know what we have are are two classes of humanity you have the humanity that is either filled with with the spirit of the wicked one or you have the true church of the living god filled with the holy spirit and both are expressing the will of something. The church is meant yeah. to express the will of God. And contrawise, what we see happening in our time is the expression of satanic thought and desire. That's why we see so many things going crazy right now and, and have been for centuries, really, leading up to our time. But the reason Jesus draws our attention to these days, I believe, can be found in these verses here as as to be markers and to be 
descriptive of what would be the similar kinds of things happening just prior to his second coming. And that's why my attention is drawn to this verse 5, because God seems to be implying there that technology has exploded by this point. Go ahead, buddy. Um, I have a question to to the panel, uh, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. So, like, in verse 1, right, when we begin, is that also speaking of an explosion of of people, of growth in the world, right? When it says yes. when men began to multiply, right? Uh, That's correct. Speaking of, okay, because I see a sim, also a um, something similar there too, that in the 1900s for us, uh, we began to explode. Now we're in the billions. I think right now in 2020, correct me if I'm wrong, we're about what 7.8 billion people. Yeah, and, um, approaching eight billion people. Yes, yes. And so uh, that's another sign to me too, brother, uh, if that's the case, that just as in the days of Noah, in the last 100 years, actually the last 120 years, we've had an explosion of um, of, uh, a of population people. explosion. A population, yes. there you go, that's it. That's it and that's exactly, that. that is, the, that's the first premise, that's a good point is that when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth, it is talking about uh, population expansion. And and you can imagine the size of humanity by then, right? Because if you're able to father all these people for hundreds of years, every human being, imagine the amount of people that were on the planet at the time. It, it, you're talking about something here that that we can easily read these stories. I mean, even in our churches, when we have our Sunday schools, we usually teach the children about Noah and his ark, right? I mean, we really yeah. don't teach them anything other than <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. and so and so we as adults, right? We kind of like go, oh, okay, Noah and the ark and the animals, how cute! But oh my gosh, no, uh, we completely miss at times because of that what what the Lord is actually revealing to us. And, and and the Lord Jesus told us, you pay attention to that story, because when you see the same thing happening, know that my day is at hand. So we see here, uh, like Brother Jeremy pointed out, a population explosion. Like you, you, uh, you, you pointed out, when we reached 1900, I believe that was the first time we actually reached the, about a billion people. Yeah, when we a came over, yeah. Right? Yes, and in yes. less than 100 years, or a little more than 100 years, we've gone from 1 billion, which took almost 6,000 years to achieve, to eight billion, roughly, in in a hundred yeah, right. so years, right? So yeah. so we definitely have a population explosion. And what fascinated me this morning as I was looking at this was was again breaking down these words. It is implying technology. It's not just implying our our conceived ideas or imagination of of my head, you know, imagining something. It literally does mean what what they were making their devices. Um, what, and when they created these things, um, it, it, it had added the undercurrent of evil. You know, they were making it for evil purposes, the technology. It, it reminds me of our time because, you know, what have we made? We've made the Internet, iPhones, computers, every sort of weapon, every system, everything that we've made. Yes. Is to it, it either begins good and ends evil or it's invented to be evil, right? I mean, it's just, you know, and it's done by technology. It's done by the yes. conception, the purpose, the framework of the idea. And so this is what God's pointing out. 
he saw that the wickedness, verse five of man was great in the earth and, and, and he connects it to it, to mankind's technology. This is a fascinating thing because when the flood came, it was so all encompassing that it, as if to bury entire civilizations under the sediment and the moving of, 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 of mountains and great masses of land, you know, he buried things. Yes, but yeah. as we've, right, as we've come to the end of, of our time, I believe we've reached the end time, we're beginning to have discoveries uh, in, in the archaeological record of incredible, fascinating civilizations that have totally shifted the, the accepted uh, paradigm of, of, uh, of archaeological thought, you know, because they've always taught us since we were little that we were the kind of people that just walked and, you know, we, gr we drug our knuckles on the ground, right? And then, ooh, we discovered fire, oh, fire, right? <laughs> we invented the wheel. You know, they, 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 we are, like we say, a lot, which I borrow the phrase from Graham Hancock, a, an archaeologist and writer. He uses that phrase, we're, we're a species with amnesia. Because even in his studies, he, he has come to say, wait, a lot of these megalithic structures like the pyramids or uh, Puma Punco in Peru or Machu Picchu up in the Andes or, you know, just go anywhere around the world. We discover these megalithic temples, these megalithic structures, these incredibly precisely honed uh, structures aligned, by the way with the astronomical constellations of the heaven in such great precision as to not even be known in our vaunted technological society today. How'd they do it? We don't right. know. Right? So, go ahead. No, no, oh, that's you, correct. Just people so, okay, do the so, research, they'll, they'll figure yeah. that out. <laughs> that's right, right? So, so what we're saying here is that prior to the flood, what we're seeing and and why Jesus drew our attention to it was because uh, to his his disciples to it was because he was recording for posterity reason for the church at the end time that one of the major major signs to that end time generation would be when technology would explode as it did in the days of Noah. That's what the the uh, you know the the scriptures yeah. revealing to us here, and and not yeah. only the technology but the every time the technology was made. It, it, it's implying that its ultimate fruit was evil. I mean, think think of Orville and Rover Wright, for example, when, when they flew the airplane. They flew it 150 feet, and everybody was happy, right? Well, it only took a couple <laughs> you know, years where someone yeah. goes, oh, wait, you know what? We can use this thing to kill people. <laughs> right? We right, right. <laughs> so even the invention itself, morphs into something evil remember when when uh when einstein discovered the atom right just the atom the protons neutrons and electrons he knew he was actually afraid to reveal it if you read behind him because he knew that should we unlock this power we've unleashed the destruction of humanity it was oppenheimer right, right? when they invented the atomic bomb there in new mexico yeah. right uh, he yeah. said when they when they tested the first bomb, what did he say? I have become death, right? The destroyer wow. of worlds, right? So, again, we're seeing technology emerge, and that's back then, not to mention where we are now. My God. 
you know, there's things that are out there right now that, um, you know, even if we, we fly our drone, we're able to kill people without being on the battlefield. You know, we're able right. to track everyone, right? I mean, everybody's walking around with a little phone in their hand and they have no idea that the intent of the spirit behind it is to enslave humanity by creating this massive surveillance state, you know, which we it know is. by that. Right, that we're headed to that time that 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 wicked one is, is is on his way, and notice what the Lord says in verse six. Then he goes on from there. We could we could talk about I could talk about that for hours. It's one of my favorite subjects, the advancement of technology in the in the time that then was. We forget, you know, God purposely uh, destroyed it because of that. And then if we go over the other side of the flood, like we discussed in, in, in the Nimrod connection, right? We talked about how immediately when you get into Genesis 10 and 11, you begin to see men again moving in a technological way, seeking to, uh, to blur the line between matter and antimatter, if you will, and to open uh, the doorway and to access once again that forbidden knowledge that had been apparently uh, flowing freely by this time of Genesis chapter 6, as the sons of God left their habitation, which Jude describes, uh, resulted in them being chained in chains in everlasting darkness in the caves of, of Tartarus in, in hell itself. And so even when we come on the other side of the flood, we see men immediately moving to build and and do things that were unrighteous in the eyes of the Lord. And God, instead of flooding the earth, right, because he had promised he wouldn't, he steps in and confounds the languages, and they scatter to the four corners of the earth. And so technology has always been limited at crucial times in human history, precisely because it would lead to the destruction of all flesh. Jesus hints at this in Matthew 24 when he says that the days in the not-too-distant immediate future, it's going to be necessary to cut them short. Because if he doesn't cut, cut them short, he said, no flesh would be saved. But for the mm. elect, those who find themselves alive at the end, uh, he will cut those days short. Just like he did for Noah, right? You know, he cut the days short and preserved the line of Noah. Now, <clears throat> any, any, any comments? You know, Paul uses a, a word to describe what, what verse 5 is talking about. He calls them inventors of um inventors Ooh, that's of good. evil things inventors mm -hmm. of evil things that's the way paul describes what what scripture is that that's in romans chapter 1 uh verse 28 to verse 31 where he speaks about you know he turned him in right over right. to a reprobate mind and then he gives a description but right there he speaks and one of them the descriptions he gives he calls them inventors of evil things yeah i thought that was interesting uh, another much. word to describe. Yeah, and so th so we see then, you know, th th we're leading up to, to Noah being identified here, but God's laying the case in Genesis 6, verse 1 uh, through 7, for why he is limiting now this, this first thousand years of history. Uh, these ten generations between Adam and Noah were ten generations. And he says, the end of all flesh has come before me, right? So... Uh, in verse 6, he says something very interesting. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him 
at his heart. So notice what he says. It doesn't say that it repented the Lord that he made man. It says that it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. <laughs> mm. 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 And and we're not going to dig into this today, but I just want to show that little. You <laughs> uh, just messed me up, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That little nugget out there because yeah, it's, it's it. specific, right? Yes. He's yes. always intended to make us. It just, it grieved him at his heart. There is something profoundly significant about this planet, something that scientists today still haven't figured out, right? I mean, they're sending our satellites and probes and all that kind of stuff into the farthest reaches of space looking for another Earth. You know, and even when they talk about exoplanets and, you know, all this stuff out there in the universe, they still have not, that is still theoretical. They think because they see shifts in the, in the light spectrum and so forth and so on, that there has to be a planetary body. And then it falls into, in the constellation, I mean, in the galaxies that they look at peering deep into space, they say, well, you know, that's a large star and this little shift we're seeing in the light could be a planetary body. And, and uh, it, it seems to be the right distance from its star. So that's an earth. Well, no, it's not. There's only one earth. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Right, it's the Lord's. There's nowhere like this place. It belongs to the Lord, and and so. But we do know from our previous studies. We encourage you to go back. Those of you that are listening to the things that we've talked about uh, in the podcast leading up to this weeks ago, that 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 there were crucial events that transpired. Apparently, the Scripture is telling us in the ancient, dateless past that had its origins on this planet. Uh, well before there was ever Adam and Eve on the planet. And so it's interesting that the Lord uses that phraseology. And like I said, we won't get into it because we'd be here, you know, we're going to go way out. But but he does emphasize it, it, it grieved him in his heart that he that he made him on the earth, that he made him on the earth. It doesn't say that it grieved him that he made man at all, but where he made him. But mm, it right. doesn't mean that, that he made a mistake either. <laughs> he intended it, but it, it was not something that was easy. Why is that? Because we ultimately know that the Lord Jesus himself is coming, right? And he's going to pay yes. the price on the earth for the sins of man and, and really to purify the entirety of the heavens, including the universe as we can see it today. So it it, it, it repented him that he made man on the earth. It grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, the creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. It 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 it, it, it makes him sad, basically, that I've made them. But notice, uh, like again, we said in verse 6 that he made him on the earth is specific. It's not when we read verse seven, you have to connect it to verse six. So he's not saying it, it, it makes me sad that I even made them. He, 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 he right away says, it makes me sad I made him on the earth. But we'll talk about that in another day of the Lord allows. But then we come to verse eight, because in the midst of this, all these things, you know, that he described, there's violence on the face of the earth. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's the angels leaving their habitation. There's the corruption of the, of the DNA, if you will, of, of, of of humanity uh there's giants in the earth this is what the bible's talking about there's a technology exploding this is an incredible time but then verse 8 says noah 
found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And like we were talking about, that means that God was searching, that he was looking. But there's something very, very interesting in that phrase, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It means that the Lord was looking for something specific, and he found it in Noah. And and as I was researching some things this morning, I, I came across one of the one of the things a, a rabbi pointed out, and 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 it and I, I just it was blew me away because I'd never seen it before. And 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 that's what I want to look at because it, it has within it. Remember, as it was in the days of Noah, so it has within it some very interesting phraseology that God uses there. He finds grace. It means that God was looking for something and He found it in Noah. And and so when we begin to study this, we need to go back and understand how Noah came to be and why. God draws our attention to him. And what does he prefigure? What does he foreshadow, prophetically speaking? Because remember, the testimony of Jesus is, right? Spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy. Right. So let's let's take a look at this. In order to fully understand this, this flood story, these days of Noah, we need to, to really go back in the history of humanity and see what brought it to this point. And I think we'll get some insight, uh, very dramatically so, uh, in into why Noah was specifically chosen, and subsequently why we, that is the church that will be alive at the end time, the true church of God, uh, why we will be spared. Because that's what Jesus, one of the things at least, he's drawing our attention to. So I want to take you back and to see something here. Brother Jeremy, would you go over to Genesis chapter four? Yes. And 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 before you read this, I want you to read verse twenty five and twenty six of Genesis chapter four. Remember the the story now that the Bible is telling us. He creates humanity, male and female. He created them, and then we know the account in Genesis chapter three of another personality being injected into the story. The serpent in the tree. We know that is Lucifer, that old dragon that John references in the book of Revelation. And he beguiles the woman who beguiles her husband, and all of humanity is plunged into death and corruption and decay because of the failure of Adam. You know, the Bible lays the guilt right at the foot of Adam's feet. You know, he says, yes, that the, the woman was was beguiled, you know, or tempted, and, and but it was Adam who knew better. <laughs> and, and and when he opened, I mean, ate the fruit, so to speak, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says their eyes were open because God had put him as the caretaker of his wife, and he failed uh, in his in his duty to guard and protect the garden and and to take care of his wife, and so they fell, and then they have a son. Uh, Cain, and then they have a son, Abel. And then we know that Cain kills Abel. And so when you read the balance of chapter 4, you begin to break into a, a, a lineage or a genealogy that is traced uh, from Cain. If you look at 417, he begins to trace the lineage uh, to Cain, through Cain and all his descendants. But then when we get to... <clears throat> 
verse 25 of chapter 4, remember what we're talking about here. Why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Uh, Before we get into all the characteristics and quality of Noah, I think we're going to see some incredible things here. Now, look, so once we get to this point and, and God draws our attention to the genealogy of Cain, in chapter 4, verse 16 through uh, 24, then God begins to turn our attention and he begins to speak of Adam and his wife and and a new son is born. Remember, Abel's dead. So there is no genealogy for him. He's dead. But then we have another son about to be born. And and, and would you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Uh, It says, And Adam knew his wife, Again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Very interesting stuff here. Remember, we're talking about uh, as we're approaching judgment, uh, God uh, begins to limit humanity's time frame, and then he begins to look for something particular because it says he found God, uh, uh, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God saw something in Noah that caused him to to bring judgment but preserve Noah. And, and I'll just tell you in ahead of time, Noah prefigures, that's why Jesus drew our attention to him, the end-time church. You know, he's that that final church that will be rescued by the Lord. He's that remnant church at the end of time, the elect, the Bible calls them, that will be alive and witness the Lord come and rescue him, just as the Lord rescued uh, uh, Noah in the beginning. Now, what we see here is very interesting, and I want you to consider something here, because what we know is that uh, is that Abel was killed by his brother Cain in chapter 4. After he is killed, God turns our attention to the genealogy of Cain. Once he concludes the genealogy of Cain, he then turns our attention and begins to reveal something to us, and that is, is that Adam and Eve had another son. They called his name Seth, which the rabbis say means foundation which the simple strongs reveals as compensation. It can, be, it can mean both. It can mean to be a foundation or a compensation or being paid back or compensated for the loss of something. But we won't get into the, the word study right now. But something interesting in verse 25 that Brother Jeremy just read. So they have a son. They call his name foundation or compensation. And, and, and she says, that is Eve says, he's given me another seed. Uh, instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And then it says this in verse 26, and and uh, to uh, of Seth, to him also there was born a son. And he called his name Enos. Then it says, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So it's very interesting that up to this point, and we're talking about why did Noah find favor in in the eyes of, of, of the Lord, it is because Noah is in the line of this one named Seth. And we will talk about that briefly. 
and and uh, and in in a few moments here. But stay with me and follow me now. Something dramatic happens in the fact that God draws our attention that it's after Seth uh, is born and then has a son or an offspring that that son begins to call on the name of the Lord. And it's an interesting phrase because the word name of the Lord is literally the name of Jehovah. So it is the name of the Father. It's the Father God they begin to call upon, but not until something is born uh, and that one that is born is Enos, and and he is a son of Seth. Now, just mm-hmm. just put that off to the side. They're very interesting. Now, so chapter four concludes with our attention being drawn to Seth, a replacement for a slain Abel, who then fathers a son named Enos, and it's then that men begin to identify the name of the Lord. Up until that point, there is no name of the Lord being worshipped. Even from the time of Adam, the name of the Lord had not been revealed in this sense, but the name was then revealed, and the name began to be called upon. Then then the Bible changes uh, our attention and begins back in chapter, it opens chapter 5 and begins to recount the entirety of humanity, the history of humanity up till the flood but it doesn't do it through the genealogy of Cain it does it through the genealogy of Adam by way of Seth not Cain so we see the rejection of one son Cain and we see the embracing of another son Seth who is the son of Adam and by whom uh, the succeeding nine generations would lead up to Noah. And so because uh, humanity had become so corrupted, it, it it has this idea in Genesis 6 when we're having Noah revealed to us as the one who would be the one who would ensure that humanity's survival. It is because he is connected to a holy line that had its origins in in uh, from Adam to Seth all the way down to him. But now 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 look at this. So that's why in verse in chapter five verse one in Genesis. Now we're making our way to Noah. Uh, read that, would you, brother uh, Jeremy? In chapter yes. five, uh, verse one through five. Would you read all that for us? Yes. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were eight hundred years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And he died. So there is here, right here, something very, very profound, if we can see it. Now, this is, again, this is a bit advanced Bible study here, but but take your time, pause button, research what we're talking about here, because because what is revealed here is, is, because remember what this is is leading up to. Chapter five is all genealogy. 
Yeah. It's all so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, right? And, and then it comes all the way down to Noah. Chapter 5 concludes with our attention being drawn to Noah. Then chapter 6 opens up revealing the conditions of the world after hundreds of years. And and Jesus says, now pay attention to those days. There's mm. several reasons why. But when we begin the book of the generations of Adam, we are literally having, in chapter 5, gives the account of human history, not through the line of Cain, right. but through the line of Seth. Remember, when the flood comes, it destroys everybody and everything except for Noah and his family. And when you understand it in the way that God reveals it, you understand that all the descendants of Cain perished in the flood. But Noah, the direct descendant of Seth, Adam's son, to replace Abel, is the one that's preserved. And subsequently, all humanity afterwards that would be born. We, hello, <laughs> are the descendants of Noah. Hallelujah. Right? Yes, and sir. we, subsequently then, are the descendants of Seth because Noah came from Seth, you know, eight generations later. Now listen, God reveals something here about the gospel of Jesus Christ because Seth is a type of the Lord. And I'm going to show you this. It says in verse 3, would you read that again, Brother Jeremy? Verse 3, chapter 5. Yes. And Adam lived 130 years and begat his son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this, this phrase here in chapter 5, verse 3, is the only place other than uh, when it speaks of Jesus Christ. It, it, look at what God is showing us here. It says, Adam lived 130 years. He begets a son, and, it, and he uses these phrases. Uh, in his own likeness and after his image. Interesting. And calls his name foundation. In the truest sense of the Hebrew word, that's what it means, foundation or compensation or something set in place. Now listen. Substitute. When he, Substitute. What? Substitute is another word that, that they use to uh, for the meaning of set. Substitution. Yeah. Substitute it. It can mean replacement, substitute, yeah. whatever. Right? Yeah. But but what the rabbis say his name means as they dig it out means foundation. And 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 so, you know, it can mean all of that. And I'm just throwing it out there quoting what they say, because we are talking here about a revelation hidden within the line of Seth that is forth telling the actual son that would come in the future. Now listen, uh, and, and, and stay with me now, because when you look at, let's go over here to chapter uh, chapter 4. Go back to chapter 4, verse 1, would you? Yes. Read verse 1 and 2. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller 
of the ground. Okay. Now, what you notice there is that the Bible doesn't use the same phrase, phraseology, that it uses when when uh, when Adam has his third son, which is Seth. Correct. Neither Abel or Cain is is said to be made in the likeness or image of Adam. But Seth is. And nowhere else in the scripture will you see that phrase used. And so what we see here then, and we can say it this way, is we see the second Adam, do we not? Yes, yes, according to that. (laughs) Yeah, we see a prophecy, we see a prophecy hidden uh, in the book of Genesis of how uh, the, the Lord would give birth to a a new children, right? a new people, um, and, it, and it's hidden there for, for us to see. Yeah, because yeah. Jesus Christ is referred to as what? The second, second Adam. Adam. Right? right? Now, I want to show you something really interesting here. Go over to Luke. Real quick. Keep, keep your fingers there. We're going to hurry. I know people's heads are spinning by now going, what? <laughs> well, just, you know, take your time and go through these things and study Trust me, you'll never exhaust the wealth of the glory of God's word. Hallelujah. It's so symmetrical and it's so beautifully put together. Now, are you there in Gen- in Luke chapter 3? Look at Luke chapter 3. Can you get there, Brother Jeremy? Yes. I'm here. Luke, Luke gives the account. First of all, he starts with Jesus. Look at in verse uh, 23. Could you read that? Uh, verse 23, 3. 23. Yes. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Right. So he's beginning the genealogy of Jesus. He's beginning to give his genealogy. And then he's going to go through all these names, right? But he starts with Jesus. But look, Start reading with verse 36 and go through verse 38 now of chapter 3. And remember who we're talking about, Seth, right? Yes. Yes. Go ahead, verse 36. Which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxed, which was the son of Sem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Mal- Malaliel, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so here we have it. We we see it. It, it, and I know again, some of you are you've never ever even looked at stuff like this, but there we have it. See, Luke connects Jesus to Seth, to Adam, to God, right? And mm-hmm. and and so he goes. He's declaring the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, right? Yes, <laughs> right. Okay, so powerful. Amen. 
So when Noah finds grace, because he's in the he's in the lineage of Jesus, right? Yes. <laughs> That's what we just read by by Luke's gospel account of the genealogy of Christ. What we are having revealed right there in the generations is the third son of Adam that is born is called in the likeness and image of Adam. See, the brother Jeremy, do you know what or brother Fernando, do you know where that scripture is real quick? He's called it's in Romans, isn't it? Where Jesus is called the second Adam. Can we find that real quick before we close yes, here? And we'll Romans five. Would you read that to us, brother? Romans five. Um yeah. Yeah, let me get there. It says nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses. Mm-hmm. Um it says even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Um, let me see if I got the right verse. Yeah, who is the figure of him that was to come? But I think he meant to call him the second Adam, right? Yes. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, I think that was it right there. Yeah, but there's another one where it specifically says he's the second Adam. Let's see if we can find that real quick. We'll find it right now. He, yeah, look it up real, real quick. Uh, but what we're what we're talking about then is that again, you know, reiterating what we see in Genesis chapter five right there, is that God had Moses use the phrase when he was writing the account of this that Seth was created in the image and the likeness of, of Adam. It's the only place it's ever used. And then as we took you over uh to, to Genesis, I mean to Luke. Uh, chapter uh, 3 and began the genealogy of Jesus we see that from Jesus to Seth is there's a connective line that runs through Noah and it concludes with God himself it's a special flow of of, of the genealogy of God uh, that he's drawing our attention to because why is this significant well, uh, one, 1 Corinthians 15 brother Marty 1 Corinthians but it 15 is. okay would you read 15. that too says, uh, and so it is written, the first man, or the first Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, or the second Adam, was made a quickening spirit. So he's called the second Adam, right? Yes. Right. Right. So that is why, now if we go back to Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, we see uh, this phrase used. Because Jesus is called the second Adam. It's the same phrase. He's in the lineage of the of the third son of Adam and Eve. And that is why Noah was preserved. That is why Noah found grace, amongst other things that we'll get into tomorrow. But but we wanted to paint this picture to show you just how uh, special and profound it is uh, that nothing happens by accident. And that Noah was selected uh, precisely because he wow. belonged... To the second Adam. Preserve the seed. Hallelujah. Yes, and and so and and at the same time, uh, remember what's going to happen here. Every every other human that is not in the line of Seth, because uh, because Noah carried that with him, because um, his great 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 all the way back to Adam, right? Was uh, was was Seth, third son of Adam, was Seth. And he is made in the likeness and image of Adam, the same phraseology that Paul uses describing Jesus as the second Adam, made in the image of Adam. He's the second Adam. Uh, We see here a foreshadow or a prophecy of the end time that there will be a remnant 
that only God knows how to find. Mm. And and he he knows who you are. That it's a yeah. mysterious church. Remember what Jesus said yesterday and and now that we we we're talking about this today, it, those words become even more profound when he told his disciples uh, you're going to long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and the people are going to come and say, it's over there, it's over here, it's over there. He says, don't follow them, right? Because as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He was basically saying, God knows uh, where his children are, right? God knows where, where he is, and he's within you, you know? He, right. he, he, and, so, and so when it says in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, but Noah found grace. It is because he could be traced and identified to the second Adam, Seth, who is a foreshadow and a type of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to spare his children because they precisely belong uh, to his son, the son of the living God. And the connections run all the way back to the beginning of history. And, and he has ensured that we be that we would become the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And mm. so it's, it's that, that that he preserved in Christ. And it's that. That's what, yeah. that's what, he, was, that's what he was looking for when it says that yeah. Noah found grace. That's what God was looking for. It, it was his seed. That was his son. You yeah. know, Noah was his son. And, and that's exactly, this is, I mean, you got to get this. If you're listening to this, that's the same thing that's happening today. God is looking for his children, his seed yeah. that trace back to Christ, right? That's yes. who he's looking for, those that are connected with Jesus Christ. That's powerful. You got to get a hold of that. <laughs> you know, it, and you might have to think to... <laughs> Our minds are going so many places, but it makes me think of what we've been studying of the children of disobedience. Yes. And the children of light, right? There's a separate the children of the devil. It makes a separation there, you know. Now, now consider this, and I probably should. We will talk about this again, but consider what was it that the flood destroyed? Right? It destroyed the children of Cain, all of them. Correct. Correct. And wow. and who was preserved was that second son or third son, really? But he's described as being in the same image of Adam, right? It's a foreshadow. Wow. And, and, and that's why Jesus drew our attention to it, because he was trying to, to, to hide, like we were talking about the other day. When he spoke about these last days, he was giving us a, 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 a above top secret intelligence briefing, man. And he's saying, go that's back right. and look at that, because there's stuff there that's way beyond just the surfacey stuff that everybody always talks about. He says, dig deep, get deeper, look there, and you'll begin to see that I have prepared a church at the end time that is just like Noah, and it is directly connected to me, and God is searching for it, like Brother Fernando said so beautifully, right? He's searching for it and will select it and preserve it, mm. right? Yeah. And and we are we are headed to that verse 13, which we'll, hopefully we'll get to tomorrow. We'll go from verse 8 to through 13 as we begin to describe uh, – what is what is the characteristics of the true church? Because Noah is a prefigure of the true church, right? The final church in the end, that that remnant that's saved, that's rescued, 
you know, that, that that's in the line of Christ himself. We are his children. We are his offspring. Suddenly those words begin to make more sense, right? I mean, at least become much more profound in our understanding. When he talks about offspring, when he talks about uh, royal priesthood, holy unto the Lord, all that stuff, he's referring to genealogy. And the genealogy refers directly to the son of the living God. We are his children preserved. And he was showing us that when he said, now go look at the days of Noah. And he said, it's going to be like that. And and you're going to see, right? We started out talking about population explosions and technology and all that kind of stuff. And then we went over to, you know, the, the separation. There's a Cain church. There's a Seth church. I'll just leave you with this nugget. See, <laughs> remember, the Cain church or Cain killed his brother, right? Right, yes. And 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 what God was was allowing us to see there was 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 that Christ would die first, but the second Adam created in the image of Adam, likeness and image of Adam, chapter five, verse three, is a foreshadow of the resurrection. Praise God! Yes, because precisely because when when Seth, who's created the second Adam, has children. What do they begin to do? Call upon the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. This is 426, right? Mm-hmm. Incredible, Jesus. incredible. The church is prophesied there. The birth yes. of the church. You know, that's, that's exactly, exactly what right. we read in the book of Acts. You know, yes. um, it, it, it's powerful. It, 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 again, uh, Abel is a type of, of Christ's humanity and him dying on the cross. And, and yes. death is, is the new expression. It's, it's, it's the resurrected Christ who gives birth to the children of God. I mean, this is they know, Praise y- God. Yes, and, and that's why it says in 426, at that point from Seth, who's a type of the resurrected Lord, the second Adam, right, image and likeness of Adam, they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. That's why Jesus in John chapter 17 at the Last Supper said, Lord, I have revealed thy name unto them, right? I've given them thy name. Yeah. He, he, it's the same thing. Go all the way back. The end from the beginning, right? They know the real God, and they begin to call on him as a result of their father or their offspring of Seth, which is a type of the church. The true church knows how to call out to God in Jesus' name, right? But but as we near the end, it's going to be a small remnant, but he knows who you are, and, and he's going to preserve you. And so tomorrow we'll look at that, and we'll look at what it means. These are the generations of Noah and, and, and his descriptive spiritual qualities, because that's how you're going to identify the true church in this hour at, at the end of time. And that's why Jesus draws our attention to the days of Noah. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. Powerful. This one's worth going to, you know, hear all over again. Um, yes. the, the the information hidden um, in the days of Noah, again, you know, he gave us two clues or two signs, two particular stories that, uh, again, we need to study and, and you know how we preach Noah is usually you know what was taking place in those days but the revelation that is hitting here goes much deeper and and only the Holy Spirit can train the eyes yeah. of his people to see these things and we pray Praise our you. prayer 
is that the Lord will open the eyes of his people and say, my God, you know, the Lord is looking for me. Yeah. That's why this, That's why the word of the Lord is coming to you. He's looking for me. That, that, that thrills me. That thrills Absolutely. me in my heart that he's searching for me. He's sending his word because we belong to him. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it literally, I, I, I'm, I was translating into the days of knowing what he was seeing and, and how he must have been feeling, you know, and, and, and to know that the Lord was searching for him. In spite of all the chaos and sin and evil taking place, God was searching for his children to save them. And that's why we're looking for his coming. Yeah. That is our salvation, our complete salvation. Amen. Powerful, Amen. powerful. Praise God. And that's why uh, the Lord warns us through the book of Jews, woe unto them that go the way of Cain. That's good. What a right. what a warning right. that that the word wow. of God gives us. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to decide that we're going to go the way of Cain or or Seth, right, <laughs> or Amen. Abel. Praise the Lord. What a what a tremendous study. Yes, please go back and listen to this again. Uh, uh, there's so much here, beauty, and I, I felt the same way. Like <laughs> like if I was translated over there this, in the times of Noah. Praise God me. preserves His people, and He's going to preserve yes. you in this hour if you hold on. And we're going to be studying more. So get ready because we're going to be studying and going even deeper. In, in 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 the character of Noah, amen, that we're going to learn from. Praise God for the study. We pray that you have been, been blessed by it. Keep praying for us. And as we pray for you, that these podcasts will continue to go forward. Um, we are hearing, and I know that God is moving in this hour with his word. So we praise God. And as always, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And keep looking up.